spiritual aspiration or the religious the religion is a is a convention something that points to the ultimate reality or whatever terminologies one chooses to to uh, use it points to uh, say we can say the deathless or the ultimate reality and so in the human situation we're with our contemplative mind mind that can contemplate and reflect and this is like a, what what is the, the like a buddha mind the buddha the word buddha is a very significant word not just the name of prophet of the path but when we use it as a refuge, it's actually taking refuge in that ability of, in this state, of this form of being human, in which we can contemplate, we can consider. Uh, when we're always thinking, uh, thinking about things, using our reason, trying to reason and use logic, uh, then we, that's a function of the mind that that in present day is highly developed in in ordinary people, but it also is just a function of the mind. I mean, we end up with maybe a, a logical answer to a question, but it's not. We, we don't really. It's, it it doesn't really apply to the reality of our existence, or take us to, and the ultimate realization. So that's why when you try to think yourself into, uh, say, when you think about religion too much, and then you get very critical of it, or you, you can, uh, if it's not logical or reasonable, like many religions aren't, aren't really based on, on that, on the kind of using reason, then we, t- we tend to, uh, we tend to say, uh, Invest a lot of interest in 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 uh, thinking and and trying to solve problems through thought, through reason. But in uh, say say meditation, we're we're developing this intuitive awareness, which in uh, say the Western world especially is not not a, a function that is highly regarded or even. Uh, or not say not to mention uh, not highly developed. So we do feel sometimes very frustrated by it uh, when, because we, we uh, one side of us uh, likes things in in neat little packages, likes order and everything labeled and and uh, figured out, have it all thought out, reasoned out just like our computers, our whole emphasis on modern technology to, to have everything kind of nicely ordered. But when you're, say, when you're developing intuitive awareness, it's, not, it's nothing you can grasp. You can't kind of uh, get your teeth into it. You can't really... Uh, uh, you can't really say what it is, 
as this or that, because it, it's ability to just listen and be aware. Where, and when we trust in that ability, then it's like that's where revelation takes place or insight. In Buddhist uh, Buddhist uh, terminologies, we use the word insight. Insight, knowledge arises through freeing the mind from from the bonds, from the uh, habits of it, of just being caught up in thinking, reasoning, or just proliferating with thought, worrying, uh, getting caught up with with all kinds of of just, uh, habitual thought patterns or emotional reactions. Contemplation means that we can consider our, our own our own existence. What is it? What is what the state of being a, a human individual, a human being? <coughs> and then there's the conventional view: we're all human beings, men, women. Uh, we have uh, we have uh, various cultural attitudes about humanity and and so forth and about uh, we have uh, we come from a, a time where the democratic ideals are very strong where we we like to think in terms of equality we're all equal and uh, we should be everything is we 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 can uh, it's a kind of an idealism of the mind in which we we think in terms of of how things should be if we take it to say, an ultimate, the kind of superlative idea. Here in Britain, we, we think everything, life should be fair. Things should be fair all the time. And, and uh, there shouldn't be this, this unfairness, this corruption, or somebody getting more than somebody else, or we th- we think virtue should always be rewarded, and and uh, sinfulness or or meanness of heart should be punished. We also think in terms of being compassionate and and universal love and loving all everyone and uh, I mean this uh, these kind of lovely ideas in our minds that we create. So we, we can create ideals, which means we can we can we can think in terms of superlatives, the very best, the most. When we when we reflect on the Buddha, that he's the Arahant, the Blessed One, the the Namotasa Bhagavato, the Blessed One, Arahanto, the Perfected One, the Perfectly Enlightened One. He can't get better than that. That's uh, that's taking language, isn't it? To it, to a to its uh, to the to the superlative level. So we can we can create uh, ideas and images of of perfection and and uh, what should be the best, what ought to be. And then because of that, sometimes we feel very disappointed with life as it is, because uh, life isn't an ideal, isn't it? It's not ideal, it's not a superlative. Life is like this. It's like what you've been experiencing throughout the day. 
your body is like this. It's not a superlative, it's not a superb body, is it? Or perfect. I mean, we could all think of a perfect body. I can imagine a perfect body. You know, that, that, that wouldn't have any unpleasant aspects to it. <laughs> or uh, I can, when I was a child, I remember thinking in terms of, you know, I was brought up as a Christian, so I wondered why God created everything so imperfect. I used to wonder. Because if, if God created everything, why didn't he create it perfect? So even as a small child, I can imagine perfection, where you're happy all the time. Everything is, there's love and happiness and goodness. And, and everything is pleasant. There's no ugliness. There's no pain. There's no sickness. There's, there, everybody is, is good-natured and pleasant. Nobody gets angry. There's no bullies. It's fair. That's how life should be. And one sees that in the Western world, we've oftentimes tried to operate from, from this idealism of the mind, trying to create perfect systems like, say, like communism, obviously, was an attempt, wasn't it, by Marx and the people that followed, trying to put it into, into uh, operation, manifest this, this ideal system of government where everything should be, how everything should be, um, equal distribution, equality, freedom, fairness. So political idealism or social idealism, economic idealism, now these are not to be despised, I'm not putting it down or being cynical about it, I'm just pointing out that it, that we can create these images of perfection, but how many of you really understand life as it really is? Or do you, a lot of your unhappiness comes from comparing, saying, the, the, the actual experience of life with an idea of what you think it should be. And so, they, when we were young, when I was a university student, I used to, used to think, this isn't, uh, this, uh, the states, it's not what it should be. There's too many things wrong. This was 30, over 30 years ago. <laughs> and there's too many things still wrong with the United States <laughs> or with any country. So, uh, in terms of, uh, say, now, I say 30 years of, uh, of uh, living and, and uh, meditation and so forth, helps one to kind of understand why things are the way they are. Now contemplate your own position in this universe. Uh, one human being, you know, in this whole vast universe. Now, just one rather sensitive, vulnerable form like this, in this magnificent or terrifying universal system, you know, we can we can kind of we can see it. We can look out at the stars at night. We can we feel it all the time. It's a uh, 
It's, it's mysterious. It's, it's magnificent. It's frightening. Terrifying. And from our position of being a rather vulnerable and sensitive thing, because this body is, it's, it's like you've been experiencing this, it's, it's, it's a sensitive formation. It has eyes, it's, there's, sense, there's sense organs. So eyes are, you know, they're sensitive organs. They, what they, they, when something crosses the field of vision, you see it, whether it's beautiful or ugly or whatever, it's just the way it is. There's not a rule that only beauty can pass in front of my field of vision. Then we have to look at, at, at whatever comes, whatever happens, whatever impinges on, or say with, with, the, with sound, the ear, or odors with the nose, taste with the tongue. The body itself is a, is a very sensitive thing, so it, it's always feeling something or other, hot, heat or cold, or pleasure, pain. And you can see, you can only sit for so long in comfort, and then it is not, no, you can't, you know, you, then you start feeling uncomfortable. Or you can only walk so much, and then you get tired. Mm. And so we have to, to move this body, we have to change it, and we to take care of it, spend our life trying to, to just kind of live with, with this human condition, the sensitive state, the sensitive form in a vast universe that that we we don't really uh, understand all that well, and yet we feel it all the time. So in meditation, we are the learning how to to uh, see things in the right way. The, 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 the problem, having uh, been suffering so much, is we interpret our, our experience of life from delusions. So, so the basic delusion that human beings have is, is the sense of I am this body. So that because I, am, because I think and I assume that I am this body, then then I can, then I'm always, what do people say about it, whether it's uh, in healthy or whether it's sickly, it's diseased, or whether it's attractive or unattractive, whether it's male or female, whether it's black or white, whether it's uh, old or young, vigorous or whatever, then whatever it is, that I, I, I operate from the idea that it's mine, that I'm this way. So I, I am an old man. I didn't always think like that. <laughs> I used to think I, I am a young man. <laughs> like this. I am this this face. Look at the face. Uh, this this face is is what I look like. This is my my appearance. And then we. We identify with it when when it when it's sick. We don't like it to be weak or sickly, and, and we, we feel I'm so weak now and I'm sick. When people say about us, whether they 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 flatter or insult us, we we feel hurt. We can feel very offended or very 
distressed by somebody doesn't like the way you look. So the, this 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 whole sense of I am the body, uh, this body is mine, and I am this body is uh, something to to contemplate. Is this really true? I'm not trying to say, to, you know, say you have to believe that it's not yourself. It's not what I'm trying to do. Just kind of uh, tell you what you are, but but encouraging this kind of reflection on, you know, is this body really? mine, is it really what I am? So in, in Buddhist meditation, this is what we, we do, we, we're, we're beginning to uh, say, look at, or begin to look deep, deep, more deeply into the assumptions and emotional habits that we've acquired in our life, so that we're not just operating from these delusions until the till the time we die. Then we think, I'm I'm dying now. <laughs> when the body's dying, and you think, Oh, I'm dying. You can see, like old people that have have not contemplated life very profoundly, and they they resent old age, or they're frightened of death. They can in. Some some people live in the past when they were young. When I was a young person and I did this and I did that, because the future only means death. You know, if you're about 80 or so, you know that you don't have, you know, the future is uh, not much hope. Not much going to happen except death. But the past, you have 80 years of looking back and, and so you can reminisce. You know, about the good old days or things that, or you can feel very, you can still be enraged about what happened to you when you were five years old, when you're 80. So, I am the body is, is, uh, is something to contemplate. Now we can contemplate the body like we've been doing. In the, We've started off this retreat, isn't it? With, with just beginning to, to contemplate this body, to to kind of observe it, to 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 concentrate on it as an object, as posture of sitting, and its and its sensations, its feelings, are this way. So that you're. You're changing your perspective because we don't generally do this. We tend to use our bodies for doing things and and uh, so forth. But we we don't, you know. It's it's through meditation that we actually begin to contemplate them, not comparing them to some ideal body of uh, trying to think of how it should be, but just the way it is. If it's sickly, it's painful, or old, or it's male or female or whatever. It's this way. We're not. We're not saying how it should be, but getting to just say open to its to the state it's in in the present, to to using say posture or and breath, breathing. Because as we begin to understand the body, rather than just 
get caught up into into the into the into the assumptions around the, the human body that is that is mine uh, then of course we're 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 seeing it in terms of what it really is in terms of dharma that this human body is is a natural condition it's like the trees and the animals and the stars and all the rest it's it's a natural thing it belongs to nature it's it has four elements uh, we, we we use this this elemental approach of uh, the solid element the liquid element the fire and air elements so these are just categories of that you can kind of contemplate the, the nature of your body is what is solid in it? What is liquid? What is fire? What is the heat element? What is the air element? So that you're you're kind of contemplating this 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 uh, this formation not from the ego or from vanity or from an ideal uh, from idealism, but just uh, beginning to look at it, investigate it, contemplate it in a way that I- that isn't personal. It's not like I'm fire, or I'm solid, or I'm water. When we, if you really, if you, you really notice, what you identify with is your face. Remember going to autopsies when in Bangkok. You know, sometimes the hospitals will let you go see autopsies, and you see them pull the face back like this, like a mask, like a rubber mask. They cut it here, and then they suddenly the the doctor that's doing it just pulls it back, like he's just pulling off, a, ripping off a mask. You go at first, you think gruesome because the face is such an important uh, sense of ourself. To have a picture of yourself, have a photograph. You have you have it of your face. You don't have a photograph of your right hand. Now this is also the experience of consciousness. So like when we're, we're born from our mother, and that we begin life as a separate conscious form. Now some people question, why are we separate consciousness in, when we're in the mother's womb? I don't know, I can't remember. But anyway, one is still connected, isn't it? You're probably, I think we're probably our mother's consciousness. You know, it's all connected in 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 the one body. So I mean, it it uh, that is, uh, uh, but I don't know. It's questionable. But I but it does seem apparently you know that when one when the umbilical cord is cut, when you come out and they cut the cord, that you begin life as a separate conscious entity. You know, just physically, it's you're separate now even though you still might, might depend on your mother to, to nurse you and take care of you, you're, you're no longer physically connected, organically connected. And so consciousness is this, is, is the experience of this, uh, this subject-object experience, where 
we have to live our lives always from where we are for till the body dies where this this state of of being conscious when I'm sitting here or I'm sitting over there or I'm out there walking or I'm in my room wherever the body is this is this is a consciousness is is uh, is is with this body so it's through this form this this physical form and consciousness that we are then and investigating the this conscious experience then we have on top of that we have we are conditioned by life now we're not when we're born we don't have a we don't have language or memory as we know it uh, now i mean we we learn we we after we're born we're we w- things are instilled in our in our mind we become we learn to say things we we pick up the values and attitudes of our mother our parents our family cult- we're culturally conditioned educated we, we have various religious attitudes uh, and and we learn we have language and, and memory so these this this uh, conditioning of the mind say comes after we're born so say at the moment of birth there is the physical body and there's consciousness and so in in meditation we're to say where we're going back to that state of say where where the body where we're with the body and where we're conscious of the body and we we're using this conscious experience we're beginning to to recognize or to to abide in the in a consciousness that isn't conditioned yet by language or prejudices or views or opinions So how do we how do we get back to that say the 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 underlying state where before it starts becoming me and mine what i think uh, uh, my cultural conditioning my feelings my emotions because we do we do get lost in the in this realm of this 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 state of being somebody in thinking about ourselves and operating from all kinds of assumptions for example just the the assumption i am a man because the body is a is a male body and so we of course it's obvious i'm a man there's there's two kinds there's men and women and so we identify with the with the gender of the body we assume that this is this is what we are and yet actually when you begin to investigate it you realize that that you're not a man or woman that there's a, a the body is is male or female but and then we then we then we create an ad- identity with the body so therefore we become a man or a woman according to, to the gender or now that you have like transsexuals or people that say they're they 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 might think like a woman but they have a body of a male 
gets complicated. But whatever it is, it's conditioned into the mind, isn't it? It's not, it's not the, it's, it's, uh, those are perception and identities that come from I am. I am the body, I am this person. So with, in mindfulness, when we use the word mindfulness, and the Pali word sati, mindfulness is, is going back to that kind of still point, that still center. Because as we, as we stop just kind of thinking and, 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 and uh, reacting to things, either through indulgence or suppression, and, just, and let things go, let go of, of these conditions, and we begin to experience uh, the stillness, silence of the mind, that in which they're, they're, we're conscious, we aren't kind of becoming unconscious, but, but there's no sense of, there's no kind of involvement with becoming anything or holding to views or opinions. So this is what, like when we take refuge in the Buddha, this is, you know, practically speaking, we're, we're, we're using mindfulness, we're, we're developing this awareness around the way it is, so that we're, we're, we're mindful of the body, for what it is, rather than, than through the perceptions we have of it. So consciousness then is is our vehicle. We're, we're using this conscious experience as a, as a separate conscious form in the universe and developing or using wisdom. And this wisdom isn't with language. It's not like thinking, but it's through uh, thinking and, and figuring it out with, with logic. But it's, this wisdom is like intuitive wisdom. It's insight knowledge. It's like gut knowledge. It, kind of, it comes from here. It's not just uh, abstractions in, in, with words, concepts, ideas. And in that mind, in the, when, the, when we're in that purity of conscious awareness, then and we say that is the that is the the uh, experience of the deathless, because that can only be the only way to realize the deathless. Because you, it's not a concept, and it's not something that you're going to get somewhere else, and it? it's not something lacking that you don't have, and because it's not something. But it's when we're caught up with the conditioning of the mind, the w- our perceptions, our language, our memories, our self. Egos, our vanity. Then we, we go around endlessly with, with, with this burden of self and we're not aware of how things really are. What, what really, how it really is. 
So in insight meditation, you 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 moving to that to the, to the say letting go and the realization of non-attachment. There's this beautiful quote in the suttas, Pali suttas, say, "A dung amadang." This is the deathless. Anupada jitasa vimoko, the, the, the relinquishment or the non-grasping, where the mind is 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 receptive and open, and there's no gra- there's no there's no grasping of things. So there's conscious awareness. So the the deathless say is is realized through the letting go and through the realization of non attachment. This is what in Buddhist terminology we call we use the word nibbana or nirvana. Nirvana is the realization of non attachment to the conditioned realm, to the body, to the senses, to the to the to the perceptions of the mind, to the conditions, to the feelings, the emotions, doesn't mean we're judging or we don't have any. But we're 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 no longer operating from those from attachment to those conditions. The sense of oneself, say, is a very isolating thing. Just to speak from, say, from my own experience, being my generation, say, of Americans, we were the ideal. I would say, my generation was to be completely independent individual. There is no emphasis on belonging to anything. Or identifying within a, with a wider group, even my family. There was not. There was no. My parents even wanted me to be completely independent. Be independent. Don't depend on other people. Be self-sufficient, independent, individualistic. You have rights. You have the right to be free. Right to live your life. Do what you want. And so this was. The, the idealism, I'll say, of of my generation, and so the, the self was was very much formed around me and my rights and my individuality, and no, there wasn't much connection to it. I've had to learn how to through monastic life has given me uh, has brought me into the sangha into community. But it's not been easy because the conditioning of the mind is, is, uh, is, is the, the habitual conditioning, or the cultural conditioning is, in terms of me, my rights, my individuality, what I think, what I feel. And the result of that is, as, as uh, it, it has a certain 
advantages. It's not, you know, like anything. It, it, it. Uh, you don't have these strong emotional ties to family or to, to groups of people. You're, you're not. You're not. You haven't. Uh, like being nationalistic or patriotic or. That has never been a problem for me. But also, the the unpleasant side of it is that you you feel very lonely and alienated, because you you don't know how to be with anyone else, because you're always thinking in terms of I'm my rights and me, and I'm independent, and I don't want anyone to kind of you know disrupt that, resent the idea of uh, being dependent on others, so that. That uh, this was, this this of course leads to this uh, a sense of kind of pride and ego, and and that. But it but it's also a very lonely way to be, isn't it? To to be just full of yourself and and uh, not able to say unite with anyone else or with a group or feel part or feel included in 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 a wider group of people or with even one other person. Say in in uh, strong like in Thailand, for example, where they I lived in northeast Thailand, the 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 culture is much more inclusive of family and in and, and wide wide range of relatives. Your identity, your 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 duties. You have a lot of responsibilities to perform. In the old style, isn't it of culture? There was more sense of I have I have to fulfill my duties to my family. I'm a part of this huge family that that and I have to kind of do my bit for it. I'm this is my identity isn't just cut off in in a, in a, in a very in, a, in where the individuality is exalted above family. So I remember going to when I first went to uh, I, when I was in the Peace Corps I went to. Uh, Borneo, North Borneo, and uh, first experience of really kind of getting to know Asian culture, living with with Asian people, and uh, I used to find myself crying because of this this strong family identity they had. Because I'd never had that. There's this kind of incredible kind of warmth, emotional warmth, and inclusiveness. That had never been a part of my life, and I actually was, you know, a thirty-year-old man, and so I found myself greatly moved by that, and, and feeling even more isolated, you know, because that had uh, that was not part of my experience of life, feeling envious or jealous of them. So there is that, you know, emotionally. Intellectually, we can we can kind of like the idea of being free and individual, and but emotionally, we also feel a need to to be part of something more than just ourselves and our own particular ego and our own ideas. So the emotional 
nature oftentimes gets gets uh, is isn't highly developed say when when the emphasis is on me my my individual uh, my individuality my rights so we 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 don't emotionally we don't evolve very well or grow up we tend to get stuck in in uh, in the uh, immature emotional dead ends now the now this is we can see in in a modern society the results of of our idealism and and our and our uh, you know that we we could contemplate the, the results of of our own experience of life and it's not to criticize it not to say it should have been otherwise there's no point this is the way it is yeah, life should have been i should have had you know everything individual rights and 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 a nice warm family environment and wise parents and and a perfect country and uh, everything fair and just and because it hasn't been that way it's it's their fault my parents it's the USA it's all their fault it's God's fault because it shouldn't have been this way I should have had all this and I didn't get it but then you realize that that's, that, that 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 is just that 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 keeps you always in this level of you know seeing that I'm unhappy and something wrong with life because uh, because life hasn't been ideal for me it's still a very childish way of looking at life isn't it blaming others always it's your fault that I'm unhappy it's their fault this is if if you were if you were what you should be then you wouldn't do the things that upset me or God's fault. I reject God now because he should have created it perfect. If I were God, I would have done that. How could God allow all these terrible things like the Holocaust or the all this mass murdering that goes on now in the you know, in Rwanda? How can God put up with such such horrors? I couldn't believe in a God that would allow such atrocities. Is is the human mind saying uh, that life shouldn't be like this, and that I don't want life to be like this, and that somebody should do something about it, God or somebody else? Because we don't, we don't, we feel that we we can't really do anything about it. What am I to do about Rwanda? Ajahn Sumedho, what can I do for Rwanda? spread uh, metta send loving kindness or do good acts and offer the the benefit of these acts for the Rwandans and things like this but in the terms of the conditioning of the mind it, I'm, I get a bit cynical the conditioning of my mind you know thinks in terms of doing something to set it right or to stop the, these terrible things from happening But then, 
they all of us are here in this place now, the Amrabhati Retreat Center at this time, this place. And so this is our opportunity to <clears throat> say contemplate not how life should be, but begin to really open up to life as it really is, as a conscious individual human. And and willing to feel it and be with whatever you're feeling. In other words, with the pain or the, uh, say during this time, maybe there'll be uh, emotions coming up in your consciousness or, or negative feelings or whatever, or, you know, one can go through quite a range of experience from, from you know, total despair and, and uh, misery to the most wonderful, blissful feelings. But whatever happens, the, the advice is to be aware of it in terms of not, uh, not uh, identifying, not, not uh, grasping it, but just recognizing that, that, that these emotional experiences or physical feelings of whatever are what arises, ceases, what begins, ends. We're, we're now looking at it in terms of the way it is rather than if we, if we get, like, we can get these very blissful states of mind through meditation, and then we, we think, wow, that's what I want all the time. Pleasure is addictive. We like to become a, a, an ecstasy addict. I think there is a drug called ecstasy. <laughs> or a bliss, bliss addict. To, to have just a continuous state of bliss. And when I first started meditating, I remember the, the third day that I practiced meditation, this was in Thailand, I was, I was still a layman, and I went, was uh, at this monastery in Bangkok. Every afternoon I'd go to this monastery, and I'd, first lesson was the, the monk just was trying to describe the basic technique, which I did. Nothing much happened, I just kind of went through the, went through it, but... Uh, there was no kind of special feelings or insights or anything. Second day, same thing, nothing much happened. Third day, I sat down and something, somebody slammed a door and the slamming of the door set my mind into this blissful state. And, I sat there. <laughs> and it was just pure bliss. So I uh, I, I was so happy, I loved it. This is what I really wanted, you know, what I've always been looking for. And uh, I thought, you know, three lessons and I've got it. <laughs> <laughs> because I really thought that I was enlightened, you know, that this it felt, <laughs> felt so good, felt so good. <laughs> Surely this must be it. And uh, so the next day, I, could, I went back to the monastery and sat down and, nothing, and, and I kept remembering this blissful state and kept trying to get it. <laughs> Maybe nobody slammed the door that day. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I kept trying to to get myself in this state, this state that I remembered having the previous day, and it couldn't. It was just misery, because the mind was grasping, wasn't it? The memory of the previous, of the happiness you experienced the previous time. So that's why the the where we are mindful around this this grasping tendency like I'm emphasizing letting go but that's not uh, but also investigate grasping just to, to see you know, when when you're suffering and you're in, in a thing, you're grasping something so then you 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 can say i shouldn't be grasping anything then you're back with the sense of I'm somebody who's grasping rather than grasping is, is like this and that what it, what is it that I'm grasping like I was at that time the next day after the, the day following the the enlightenment experience I was grasping the memory I liked that that experience so much and I remembered it and I was grasping that I wanted it again isn't it? That's what pleasure does. But what is pleasurable? We want more of it. If something pleases us, we want to have more of it. So we we grasp the idea of getting more of what, say, we remember is pleasurable. So this is like we begin to see that this grasping is is uh, this grasping of this conditioned realm the grasping of the body grasping of the feelings memories opinions views all of it this grasping is the is what is the, the grasping of the condition of desire is the cause of suffering so the insight is this letting go then to remind you letting go isn't rejection because we do we're very good at rejecting things getting rid of what we don't like or ignoring or refusing uh, to look at something ugly or see something we don't like we're very good at looking the other way of just defense mechanisms and various ways of just not, not uh, uh, of distracting ourselves from the unpleasant. So, in in this way, we're we're willing to experience the unpleasant. Say when we're when we're developing this awareness around grasping and letting go, that means that we we will we will we are going to we're willing to experience the ugly or the unpleasant. But not from a personal position, but as a, in order to to see the say the the desire to get rid of it or the fear of it. So that's why when you know the the physical pain or or uh, negative emotions, fears, desires, whatever, instead of of just reacting. And, and trying to uh, you know hold on to the good ones and get rid of the bad ones we're developing awareness around the process the grasping and the letting go and the realization eventually we we develop that awareness around non-grasping which is nibbana 
then the question might arise, well, what am I then? And we always want to, to see ourselves, see a reflection of ourselves. To, to get a kind of confidence, we have to look in a mirror to see what we look like. Or um, we want to have somebody tell us, You're, you are a really nice person. You are a very attractive person. You are uh, an interesting person. <laughs> Affirmations. And we, we dread the other. Somebody says, you're an utter bore. You're, you're the most repulsive person I've ever seen. <laughs> but they say they in who are we? This is this is this is not plan anymore because it's we're we're no longer uh, say taking refuge in 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 being a person, but in that pure state of awareness where the personality comes and goes, where the identities and the, the memories and the feelings, the emotions, they arise, they cease. So this is like you, you as you develop this kind of practice, you, you actually, you, it's very clear, becomes very, the, the path, this way becomes very clear because you can you actually see, you actually recognize the way things, the way it is, and what, and and then you're, you're very much aware of the, of what you, the tendencies of your mind to create, to, to add on to something, to, to uh, produce something that is that that isn't out of wisdom, but just habit, out of ignorance, out of fear, and out of desire. We, we project onto the moments of our life all kinds of distortions. And we can actually witness that, see it so clearly that we, 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 we don't have to do that anymore. We can liberate ourselves from those, those kind of habits. So this, this human state is one that, say, we, we begin to uh, take an interest in. Not as a personal experience, but just in terms of Dhamma. The, the process uh, of age and so forth, that which happens to us till the body dies, then is seen in a way that, that we, we, uh, we're no longer interpreting it on the level of out of fear or vanity or desire. So we, we keep learning, we keep the whole the whole experience of life strengthens us in this way of seeing things through wisdom. So this means that, like the, the process of, of human experience, the the successes, the failures of it, the praise, the blame, the happiness, the suffering, the all, the the. Uh, the whole experience of, of human uh, and both its positive and negative sides is then something that we witness and, and learn from. 
Because you learn as much from failure as you do from success. Praise and blame. You can learn a lot from being blamed or being persecuted or being looked down on. <laughs> not, not that the, the unfair experiences of life are an obstacle to enlightenment. That's not, the obstacles are, are uh, is ignorance. So, so even say we might have, uh, you know, a lot of illness or things life might treat us rather shabbily, or we might, uh, you know, have, you know, really a pretty uh, miserable periods of our life. But these are not obstacles to enlightenment. The only obstacle is the grasping and the identity with it. Well, I mean, I've personally found that that uh, some uh, that that many of the miserable experiences of my life have been. Uh, you know, I look back now, I see that they're the, the things that strengthen you, like the struggle. You have to kind of survive. You have to you have to survive these things. You have to something in you has to rise up and 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 survive through maybe tragedy or misery. And, and at the time, you think this, you don't, you you don't want this. But as you look back, they were the wisdom mind. You think those are the very experiences that that gave you strength. If life is just easy, just a party, a banquet, ongoing pleasure, you probably you probably wouldn't have any strength by the end of your life. You just. <laughs> You think, I'm too old now, I have false teeth, my teeth fell out, can't enjoy the banquet anymore. Oh, poor me. <laughs> but in the <laughs> but in the in terms of Dhamma, your teeth falling out is Dhamma. It's not an obst- obstacle to enlightenment. Or losing your taste or having arthritis or any of the rest. These are these are these are all bearable experiences, and and and, I, and through the right attitude towards them, strengthen us, give us a, a sharp edge. Difficulties sharpen us. When Pacha told me that years ago, he says, when I was complaining to him about some difficulties I was having with with another monk, and he said. He said, Tomato, that's your sharpening stone. He says, you'll never get wise if if you don't have experiences that are utterly hopeless (laughs) and totally frustrating. He says, you'll never, you'll never develop wisdom. Your sharpening stone, you sharpen your sword on that. It's friction and it's unpleasant, but it's, it's, those are that you find at the end of your life, you will you'll even feel grateful for them. So tonight, I think, uh, um, when you uh, 
you can stay on and meditate here or go to and rest and we'll meet here at 5.30 for the morning chanting. And also try to uh, remember the, the noble silence and, the, and when you fall asleep, when you go to this project, be aware of the lying down posture. And you bring awareness to the body lying down.